If you want your Irish language learning journey to be sustainable, it needs to be enjoyable and satisfying. And what does that mean? It does need you to be focused and taking on challenges and pushing your skills. Hi, this is Owen. Welcome to episode 87 of the Bite Size Irish Podcast. So I was reading a book called Good Business. It's by Michal Chitsen Michali. Um, he's originally from, I believe, the Czech Republic, a psychologist who spent his adulthood, um, has spent his adulthood in the United States. And he's written about this uh, mental state called flow. And it comes from his own research. I heard a, um, an interview with him, actually. It was interesting. He was interested in, like, psychology and... He went to a um, to a talk in Zurich once upon a time, and he didn't know who was presenting, but it was something about UFOs at the time. And the speaker was presenting his case, saying, "Well, these UFOs are really manifestations. These sightings are manifestations mentally of people projecting up to the sky." And it turned out that this presenter was Carl Jung a psychologist back in the day Um, so very interesting guy so Michal uh, he saw adults um, when he was young after World War II where their lives had just fallen apart and some had managed to thrive and some just fell apart They, they didn't know what to do They didn't have their jobs anymore. They were struggling even probably to find food and shelter. And this intrigued him. And I I guess to a very uh, core level in his being, he was wondering what what produces happiness? Um, When are people content or not? So he's, um, yeah, he, he led research or has led research in that resulted in this concept of flow. It's a mental state. It involves focus. And flow only happens when you're um, equally pushing yourself, you're being challenged, and that you're using up your skills, your current skill set. set. So it means that if you're feeling bored, he says, he contends that if you're feeling bored, you're probably not using your skills enough and you're probably not being challenged enough so even for me just in my normal work day this helped me he gives a map in his book um, of everyday feelings emotions and even for me as a software developer it was interesting for me to see this map because it helped me kind of map out my feelings that I can feel throughout the day and it made me reflect and go well maybe I'm not being, I'm not challenging myself enough in these certain parts of the day. And yeah, we all need to take a rest. Um, You can't be concentrating for eight hours a day. So you go through kind of phases of different types of work and focus during the day. Now, how does this apply to um, the Irish language learning? Well, I was reading, as it happens, page 42 
So 42 is always the answer, isn't it? And it's a chapter in Michao's book called Happiness in Action. And he asks, what does flow look like? And he sets out a couple of kind of markers or pointers to help us understand how flow looks like in one way to help uh, realize when you are there yourself because indeed you do reach flow you just don't realize it by that name maybe when you're just immersed in something completely focused that time just uh, runs by and there was a very specific part that I'm going to read out to you it's um, three paragraphs I'm going to read now and the specific point is that when you're in flow goals are clear For a person to become deeply involved in any activity, it is essential that he know precisely what tasks he must accomplish moment by moment. For instance, what involves the rock climber is not the ultimate goal of reaching the top of the mountain, but the immediate task of making the next move without falling. The goal that keeps the chess player concentrated is not winning the game, but achieving the most strategic position with the next move or series of moves. A mother gets totally absorbed in reading with her daughter, not because she is concerned that her daughter will be well educated, but because they are together and she wants to respond to every turn uh, of her daughter's body and mind. Of course, the ultimate goals of these activities, such as reaching the summit, uh, winning the game, getting a child to love reading are also important but true enjoyment comes from the steps one takes toward attaining a goal not from actually reaching it people often miss the opportunity to enjoy what they do because they focus all their attention on the outcome rather than savoring the steps along the way where does the pleasure in singing come from finishing the song or producing each note or phrase Do we appreciate a fine dinner because we feel full at its end or because each bite has tasted good? Isn't negotiating a business deal more satisfying than signing it? In my book, um, Winning the Language Battle, I've written that it is important to focus on the outcome, that you really should visualise yourself. What do you want... What do you want your life to look like um, once you've achieved, say, this dangerous world called fluency in the Irish language? But then you use that tension between your vision and reality to push you towards that uh, goal. And Michal's focus is to tell us, hey, don't dwell too long in that uh, far-off vision. Um, For me, I would contend that you need that feeling of someplace that you're going to to give you the initial motivation. But I absolutely agree with me how when he's saying that moment by moment you should be picking, uh, choosing to do things uh, that will give you enjoyment. So if just the, the plain example, sitting down and studying the Irish language out of a book for an hour... To me, that does not sound exciting. And to you, maybe your brain is tickled enough um, to do that. But it's just something that would not motivate me. So what would motivate me? Um, Watching a a TV show 
and trying to pick out words and even write down words that I recognize, listening to the radio, um, even recording myself saying hello uh, on video and posting it on, on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, those are challenges that take a bit of courage, but they're the steps that really t- propel you forward. Another example is plucking up the courage to go to language classes. For example, if there's an immersion weekend somewhere in your locality, plucking up the courage to go to one of them and really pushing your skills. So I hope that's been food for thought for you. I hope you enjoyed that little reading um, from the book. It's called Good Business by Michali Chitsent Michaoli. And uh, he's also written a more popular book called Flow. Now, on to the second part of this podcast episode where uh, we feature um, a question that came in um, on the podcast and this is Xinjiang. Hi Owen, um, how are you? I'm an absolute beginner of Irish language and I'm following your audio program. I'm at the lesson where you talk about numbers and I noticed that some words will undergo mutations based on what kind of words they're neighbor with. Um, I, I, my question is, I think in order to properly pronounce that word when you count things, you have to know how words are spelled in order for it to undergo the correct mutation. Uh, and then it's, it's less of a question about language than it is about the Irish history and society uh, structure. Uh, so uh, I assume, like many countries, Irish in the old times, Irish farmers or carpenters and people of uh, similar occupations had little access to to um, education. So, so I assume not everybody know uh, knew how to how to spell uh, the written language of Irish. So, so how do they keep the language alive? If um, how do they speak the language if they don't know how it's spelled? belt well thanks so much Jason. um i asked him does he have a connection with ireland or what got him interested and he replied to say that he's interested in the deeply meaningful uh, cultures of the world he doesn't have any irish heritage directly um so i found this intriguing in itself the question itself is very intriguing i love the question um I'll break it down a little logically. Uh, let's start with a little history. Uh, I looked this up on Wikipedia. So the Irish language, it was written down, it started to be written down in the 3rd and 4th centuries uh, through Ohm. And Ohm is the markings or carvings on the edges of rocks. Um, we're using, a, a, say, a simplified uh, alphabet based on Latin, as far as I know. And it was used to inscribe, say, people's names, possibly on their tombs. So there was some, uh, there was some concept of phonetically writing out the Irish language in the third and fourth centuries. And then Wikipedia tells me that by the sixth century, after uh, conversion to Christianity, um, or parts of conversion to Christianity in Ireland, I'm not sure. Um, that the Irish language started to appear as inscriptions like on the margins of books like as notes <laughs> which is intriguing and then it was written uh, like full on out in books uh, religious books um, 
So what am I trying to get to? So by the third and fourth century, Shizong, do you think that the Irish grammar, the Irish language featured grammar? So indeed it did. Uh, of course it did. Any language uh, inherently has grammar. It has a structure that its speakers use to convey meaning. It's like an agreed understanding. The next question I would have, did the Irish language have intricate grammatical features by the 3rd and 4th centuries? And indeed it did. To say that the Irish language somehow became more complex between the 3rd and 4th century and today, I don't believe that that's the case. I could be wrong. There could be uh, absolutely some grammatical features that there are grammatical features that have changed since then. But to say that the Irish language has exponentially increased in complexity because people started writing it down, I don't think that's the case. So um, the the assumption in your question is an interesting one, but I don't think it's true. I don't think that you need to know the uh, a written language you don't need to know how to write a language to know its grammar so i asked myself how did these people have this like uh, such a sense of grammar for example like um they would speak uh in their village without probably any mistakes um they'd put the shavu and the uru these word mutations in the irish language right in the right place absolutely every single time and by intuition, they knew what was right or wrong, which way to use a word. And I find that unbelievable because I went through, you know, 13 years of Irish language schooling. Um, Irish language, it was my first language. I speak it every day with my sons. And I, I certainly speak a simplified form of the Irish language where I'm not inflecting properly uh, every word according to our established grammatical rules. So, I asked myself then, how did people even achieve this this intricateness of language? And I think the answer lies somewhere, um, first of all, in intuition. Have we lost <laughs> this level of intuition that people had? But that's not fair because there are speakers of languages across the globe who intricately speak their language. Um, they intricately inherently know um, the details of their language um, grammar in the end is a way to convey meaning uh, it's not there to make your life harder and uh, for me it always um, is a nice eye-opener when you realize why grammar is there in the first place uh, it, it's there for a reason and it's not there to make your life harder <laughs> it's there to help you convey uh, what you want to express to the other people who you're speaking with. So I think in this globalized world where people are communicating, you know, obviously across thousands of kilometers, uh, we've got news channels and the internet and the whole thing, global travel. I think this globalized world, uh, in a way, is a force against language complexity. I see that with the Irish language. Like there are so many people who speak the Irish language and it's not even their first language. And they speak, they carry the Irish language forward um, in new forms. Um, there are 
there are like grammatical forms that are not being used in their speech, but they're still speaking the Irish language and they're still um, immersed in it. Um, so Shizung, thanks for your question. Um, the simple answer, my simple answer is that no, you don't need to know a written how to write a language in order to speak it correctly grammatically. It's more about immersing yourself in the language. However, as adult learners, I guess at some stage we do need to study these rules. Uh, for me, the reason to study rules like these is to pick up the patterns. And it's not enough for me just to realize that there's a pattern there in the language. Um, I need to write it down, make diagrams, arrows, <laughs> put it down on paper. And I think that would help a lot of people too. So if you're actively learning the Irish language, have a pen and paper beside you. And you can always take notes on your computer later. But I find pen and paper to be a very powerful uh, tool um, when you're learning a language. I wrote a blog post before called um, Creating is Learning. And the idea is that if you're creating something like your own understanding of a pattern, um, your own table on a, on a page, that just by going through these actions, uh, you're making the language a deeper part of yourself. So if you want to ask your question for uh, the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. What you do is go to www.bitesize.irish/podcast. And there's a big button there to record your question for the podcast. And you can do so on your phone, your computer. Uh, try to have your question written out if you can, uh, so you have an idea of what you're asking directly. And be in a quiet place if possible. And this is your part to be, your time to be part of the podcast. Um, it's the listener questions that really uh, spark my energy in the podcast and obviously there are many more listeners of the podcast than people who uh, record a question so it's your chance to be part of this podcast to really make a, an impression on the podcast um, so uh, thanks for listening and don't forget I have a book called Winning the Language Battle and it's about things like um, making the language journey sustainable so you can find that on Bitesize.irish too Okay, slant Tamil, bye.